episode of Not So Super Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Curley, joined by my co-host. Hey, Brennan Khan. What's going on, man? What's up? And we're here for uh, episode four, the fourth episode of the podcast. Uh, Number four. Last week, last week we did uh, Punk Rock Jesus. And, That's uh, and right. this week uh, is Brennan's pick. So, Brennan, why don't you give us a little intro into, into your pick this week? All right. I picked this one up from the library a long time ago. And uh, sped read it again today to catch up with you so we could talk about it. Uh, this is In Real Life, or IRL, whichever you prefer, um, by uh, Corey Doctorow and Jen Wang. This is a beautiful book. Um, now, Jen, Jen yeah. Wang is the artist, correct? Yes, Jen Wang is the artist. And also, um, I didn't really know this by like reading around on the... Uh, on the forward or anything, but uh, in interviews, I noticed that she said that she collaborated on it. So it, it seems like she was also a big part of the how the story was laid out because it was based on a um, on a story by Corey. It was a short story um, that was called uh, Anda's Game. See, the main character, her name is Anda. Uh, so the short story is originally called Anda's Game. Okay. And that, yeah, that was what was adapted to graphic novel form. So I think that Jin had a lot to do with how this thing was adapted okay. to this longer graphic novel form. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, uh, and then, I guess, how do you know, this is your pick. How do you want to do this? Yeah. Do you want to dive into the story first? Do you want to dive into ratings first? Let's, Gosh, why yeah, let's... Give a little... Why don't we give a little summary first? So yeah, why don't yeah. you uh, summarize give us a little sum, a summary of the of the book, and then we can start talking about it. Yeah, because I'm really curious what you thought about it. I know this might be like sort of outside of your, maybe outside of something you pick up off the shelf. I don't know. That's just my first thought about it. So I'm curious to see what you think about it. But a quick synopsis of it is this: uh, this is this is a gamer story, and and very importantly, this is a, a girl gamer story. So in, in a time, you know, right now where girl gamers aren't really as represented, it's getting better. It's certainly getting better, I think. But as 40% of the gamer population, uh, you know, as I know it, being girls, being females, people who identify as female, that they don't really get as much representation in, like, the games that, um, that are marketed and put out. It's mostly for, uh, for male gamers, it appears. And a lot of, like, the... Uh, the stories that go around games tend to be uh, male-centric. So this is a really important graphic novel from that perspective. It also deals with, like, some pretty serious stuff, like unions, for example. Uh, there's just there's some bits sprinkled in there about uh, unions and concerning gold farming. If you've ever played any MMORPG, that's a multi- massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Um then you dealt with gold farmers or money, money, real money traders that sell the online currency for real money. They're often out of uh, uh, out of the U.S. They're usually um, in China or places like Mexico. So that's definitely a big theme in this book. Um, so it goes through, and it, what's really cool about this is it uh, it passes the Bechtel test. So the Bechtel test for people, who, listeners who don't know, is a um, it's a it's a test that I guess I would call it a feminist test. I mean, I don't want to um, label it feminist uh, outright, but I mean, like it definitely has <clears throat> feminist values 
Because what that says, and let me pull it up so I don't butcher it. Um, the Bechdel yeah. test. Have you heard of it, Matt? Yeah, yeah. You told me a little bit about it, and 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 I also want to say too that there's. I mean, feminism is a very broad term. It's not just a narrow right, term. Right. Like, feminism can mean a lot of things. I think at the core sure. of feminism is just that, like, that women are equal to men, and they deserve to be treated Right, that's as it, such. I think, yeah. You know, and I, and, and <laughs> I think I that would, nails it. You know, I, and, and, and there's different extremes when it comes to feminism, and just yeah. like there is with everything, there's extremes, and there's less extremes, and there's and there's everything in between. Um but like I mean, it, to me, it seems like a pretty common sense thing. But that's also yeah. that's just my opinion. You know that I, I think clearly everybody should be treated equally. But yeah, you know that's unfortunately uh, not everybody views it that way, and that's a problem. So that's why yeah, it's things, it's still a, a, a problem for sure. And I think that's you know a large reason why this particular book is important. And those themes are definitely um, they're not like. Uh, beat like they're not beaten like a dead horse they're very much in the peripheral which is nice so you know a young this is a young adult book so young ladies who pick it up or you know people who identify as female if they pick it up um then it's really cool i think to have you know there's a lot of people of color as well including the story um so you have <clears throat> you have this female character who is introduced into the world of gaming and invited to be inside this all-female uh guild inside the online game um, so that's that's really cool. And also we see we see Anda, the main character, uh, as she's going to school. If you notice in some of the panels, she's actually like building out a video game in school, like on the screen before she's even in, like she jumps into this MMO. She's she's like building out and coding, uh, designing a game. Uh, but first, I'll de- I'll describe the Bechdel test that we mentioned. Um, how Google describes it is. Um, uh, it's a way of classifying works of fiction. Either they pass the Bechdel test or they don't. And how you do that is it features at least two women to begin with, shouldn't be hard, uh, who talk to each other uh, about something other than a man. So they just have to have some dialogue about something other than a man. Um, And then some of the other requirements um, are that the two women are named. Uh, But that's not always a part of the test. Um, But it's a super easy thing to pass, but you'd be super surprised how many things don't pass it that get produced and made every day. Right, most most things don't pass it. Which most is, things I, don't, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But, it's so easy but to pass. In in thinking about it, um, pretty much everything that we reviewed so far has though. Apocalypto Girl does at the end because it has um, it has. I mean, I guess I'm uh, assigning a gender to like the robot at the end of. Uh, right, the Lady Gaga Girl. type character at the end. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm assigning a gender, but. I think that's if fair that, to call that character female in this case, yeah. yeah. And so, so that would pass it, and then, then the next thing we reviewed was Jingle Bell, and it being a right. collection, there were definitely things in there. Oh that, yeah, yeah. You know, not maybe not every the, issue. Yeah. yeah, not every issue for sure passed it, but in the collection there were um, many right. things where she's just talking. She, you know, Jingle Bell's talking to you know her friend Polly the witch, or you know the. Um, the Siberian, the Siberian tiger. Um, yeah, tigress. the tigress character. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, punk rock Jesus. I mean, there's conversations between Sarah Epstein and her daughter Rebecca. There's conversations between Gwen and uh, and uh, and between Gwen and Rebecca. 
Um, so there's definitely conversations even in that book too. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. You that's know? I mean that's cool. <laughs> I didn't even and put so, that together, but yeah, that's cool that they all passed. And so so far, all of the books, and of course, we're going to we're going to touch upon books that don't pass this test. Of course, we yeah, will. most likely because you know but, largely because most of the stuff out there just doesn't pass the test. It's just such a large uh, amount of media that doesn't you know not only graphic novels but movies and all things everything like that that doesn't and, pass the test and i think what's indicative i think i think what's what causes let me start that again <clears throat> yeah and i think what causes that is that the pen holders the people who are writing this stuff are predominantly male so they're right. writing male characters and male driven stories um it's the same thing uh in comic books like there's been a lot of, you know, over the over the last 40, 50, 60 years, 75 years of comic book history yeah. um, with superheroes that says, you know, why aren't there more minority characters? And a large part of that is that there's not a lot of minority authors um, right. in popular comics. Obviously, there are a lot of comic creators who are minorities, but predominantly comic creators are white males. Uh and yeah, what do you think? You think it's getting better, or where are I mean, we of with course, that? Of, of course, it's getting better. It's better than it was twenty years ago. It's better <laughs> than it was yeah. ten years ago. But it's still not at the level I think that it needs to be. But like a big part of that too is popular characters that have been created are all that are still popular today are still white males mostly. You know, Batman, Superman, Captain America, uh, you know, Iron Man. What do you think about like the Harley Quinns and the the Poison Ivies and the and the and the Supergirls and the Batgirls? Those, those characters are, are are coming to and the prominence. Power Girls even. I mean, those girls are coming to prominence, but at the same time, too, it's like there's a fine line of what things are being and the Wonder Womans and all that stuff. There's a fine line of yeah, what's yeah, being created, and also a lot of those titles are still written by men. You know, mm. like that's the other thing is that, yeah, these are all female characters, but a lot of them are still written by men. I mean, look at Power Girl's outfit. I mean, she's right. She's essentially in a in a bathing suit. Um, you know, right. Of, yeah. Very revealing, those, like sensual suit. You know, of those characters you mentioned, the ones that are the most appropriately dressed is like Batgirl. Um, because Batgirl's essentially in the same kind of outfit that Batman is in. Yeah, that brings um, that brings up a good point. Um, because who's to say that girl readers like don't want the same kind of you know, uh, reveal, like this the suggestive like suit like maybe that that that's something they either want or don't want. I don't know. I mean, like obviously guys were too straight white males talking about, <laughs> right. so we don't have that perspective. But but at the same time too it's just one of those things where i think it needs needs to be recognized and i think it especially by straight white males it needs to be recognized that yeah. comic books are catered towards us yeah. uh and and i'm you know i'm you know my complaint is that i feel like there's just not enough uh diversity and it is getting better for sure it's 100% getting better but like it's still not there and i think part of the reason for that is is that one of the reasons I like read, you know, that when I was a kid, I liked reading comic books is because I could mm-hmm. identify with the characters, especially because right. some of the characters, you know, look like me. Like they they got brown hair like I do and they're white. So like, like the super boys, the super boys, the Batmans, the Supermans, yeah, Bruce Wayne's, you know, all black haired white boys. Uh, 
now, you know, so that's why I got into comic books. And then, of course, I started getting into more for the art and for the story and stuff like that. But that was my way in because I could identify with these characters because that's what you're looking for when you're a kid. You're looking for th- stories that you can identify with and that, like, right. you know, can help you put your life in perspective because that's what you're trying to gain. Um, and and if, you're, if you're someone who's black or... Or, or brown or, you know, whatever, you know, light skin, dark skin or whatever, if you're not seeing yourself represented on that page, you know, maybe you're not going to pick up a book initially. You know, and I'm not saying that, like, I don't identify with black superheroes or Asian superheroes or Mexican superheroes or any of that stuff. Like, there are definitely some characters that I absolutely love who I can identify with, per, you know, parts of their personality. But mm-hmm. that's just also looking deeper past the the skin color. Yeah, but, like, but you've already were... sort of had that entryway. You've, you've had that entrance of like, right. okay, so you, you found the Supermans and the Bruce Waynes and the Superboys and you, you started reading them. You're like, oh, yeah, I like comics. So then you, you it's easier to jump over into like Black Panther or something like that. Well, and when you get older, it, it just becomes easier to start seeing past that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but when you're a kid, when you're a seven-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, you're looking for someone who reminds you of you who you want to be when you grow up. You know what I mean? Like, I remember one of the reasons I got into Teen Titans, um, I started getting so into good. Teen Titans around, yeah. like, 2002, 2003-ish, because the, there, the, there was the cartoon on Cartoon Network. I love that cartoon so much. Yeah, the style um, is so good. It's so good. And, so good. And I got into that, and then I started reading the old comics from the 80s, and then I started reading the new stuff that Jeff Johns was writing. And one of the reasons I got into it is because I saw Robin and Superboy, and I identified with Robin and Superboy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Connor Kent and Tim Drake. I'm like, oh, I could be those guys. Like, obviously, I can't be those guys. You know, I'm not as strong, uh, nor do I have superpowers, nor am I the ward of a rich billionaire. But, you know, like, I looked like those guys, and they were going through similar teen drama problems that I yes, was going yeah. through. Like you like a like because at the heart of all comic books, essentially, especially especially superhero comic books, they're all soap operas. They're soap operas yep. with the people soaps. The with dramas. superpowers. That's it. You know, like they're they're nothing else. And and but that's why we love them. Like you know, there are there are there are superhero books or comic books or whatever that like are just all action. And, like, they're fun sometimes. The art's fun, but, like, it doesn't stay with you as much as a good drama. And so that's why all the superhero books have drama in them. And even, I mean, all comic books. Drama's the, the thing that pulls us to it. And, like, drama can have comedy. That's what keeps us coming back. But, but, yeah, like, something that we can connect with on an emotional level. Um, and so I think, you know, getting back to IRL, you know, it is a female-driven story. Uh, it, it, it is featuring, it, it's still featuring a white woman. But at the same time, it's featuring a white woman who is is not fitting the norms of of necessarily skinny. Right, right. And it's not even like a skinny gamer, cute gamer girl like that you would right. see as well. It's you know she's a, she's a, she's an average sized you know girl like young girl, right. um, and you know and and she likes video games. Um, she, you know, at one scene you see her with the D and D club. Right. And, yeah. And I can relate and, to so much of this, like at the beginning when, um, you know, she's got the nerdy friends, obviously, but trying, I remember, uh, for me, it was in 2001, uh, when MMO, I started to really get into MMOs, um, online games. When, when you were 11? 
I was 11, yeah, man. I, I was really early on to that. Like, like wow. I, th- I was kind of ahead of the curve on it before, like, pre-WoW for sure. The game I played was uh, Final Fantasy XI. So, like, mm. nobody out there is going to probably realize, like, or have played that. But um, So that launched in 2011. So I can relate to the beginnings of the story where she brings up this game to her parents and say, you know, please let me play this game online. I need your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I need $12 a month and trying to like explain that in like uh, in a way that makes sense to parents to pay $12 a month for you to play a video game was just a foreign, such a foreign concept uh, back then um, so I could totally relate to that that was that was definitely a relatable point for me yeah I mean it's and it's, it's just one of those things where you know this story is I, I feel like a step in in the right direction um, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I'm not saying, and, I, and and there's also another big mistake that's made a lot of times with the, the rhetoric of feminism and the rhetoric of, um, of just, of just any cause is, is sometimes if it gets too extreme, like it leaves out that like, it's, I, I don't know, to me, I don't think that anybody should be perceived as better than anybody else. I think that it all should be equal, but because there is such a wide gap in in everything right. and all of that acceptance that like sometimes people overshoot sometimes and I think that their message gets lost in extremisms um, and then people don't take it seriously and people use that against them, but that's more of a uh, it, it, that's a larger picture thing, but I think that this is definitely a step. Like I'm not saying that, you know, all comics should have should have should be diverse women only you know or diverse you know minorities only or or whatever but i think there should i think there should be a bigger a bigger larger uh initiative to inclusion of those things i mean yeah. if you think about it like can you name name for me right now the first five names that come in your head of of popular female ongoing characters in comics you're going to put me on the spot yeah um, I'm going to name some few a few that I've already done. I've already That's named uh, uh, Harlequin, Poison Ivy, okay. uh, Jingle Bell, uh, okay. Wonder Woman. Okay. Is it top five? Is that five? Five. Yeah. yeah. One more. You need, uh, you need one more. <laughs> you make me reach for the. Uh, does Starfire have her own? Star Starfire that counts. Yeah, because well, okay. I mean, most so I can name six. No Starfire, but now now of those of the well, you just you name five. Oh, okay. So uh, of those, let's go through. So the first one you named was uh, Harlequin, um, Joker's girlfriend, and has right. definitely has definitely come into her own, but started off as just the Joker's you know girlfriend henchwoman person. Right. Started with um, Bruce Tim, right? Uh, Bruce Tim and on an animated Cre- series. Yeah, mm-hmm. created her, um, but even still, like look at Harlequin now, very sexed up. Wears right. a corset a lot, you know, very, you know, short outfit. Even in the Suicide Squad, look at the short shorts that, that Margot Robbie was wearing. Right. Um, you know, so there's one. Uh, the next one named Poison Ivy. Also, one of her weapons is her sexuality. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but that's another character where her sexuality and femininity are used as a weapon. Right. And I think that it's great and it's definitely part of that character. I think it's very uh, telling that like that these are the people that come to our mind. Uh, you said Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman essentially wears a one-piece bathing suit to fight in. Now, granted, she has granite-hard, diamond-like skin, 
So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it helps. Sense. She doesn't really need to be wearing armor, but Superman also has that, and you don't see him running around in shorts. Uh, he's got a full uh, neck-down outfit that goes that's long-sleeve. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then the other person's name is Jingle Bell. Uh, we talked about, you know, in the second episode, uh, Jingle Bell's femininity and Jingle Bell's... Um, mm-hmm. Like a teenager, the suggestive but, themes but, of that character. But but right, she also has very suggestive themes. And then the last person name was Starfire. Starfire literally wears almost like less than a bathing suit in most of her comic iterations. Like she's wearing stuff that pretty much just covers the nipples and uh, and her below the waist area. Uh, and I guess I was thinking of the Teen Titans version. Well, uh, as opposed well, to that. And the cartoon version, you're right, she's wearing a... But she's still in the cartoon version. She's wearing a skirt. Everybody else is wearing... Everybody else is wearing pants, except for Raven. Raven is also wearing a one-piece bathing suit. But, like, she's a, she wears a skirt. And so it's like, why isn't she, why isn't she just wearing pants? Like, like if, if you really think about it, it's very hard to name super heroines who wear... For one, wear pants. Like, <laughs> most of them are pretty bare-like. And I'm not saying that, like... That, like, that's also not... Like, I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong, but I think it is wrong that there's not a, more characters that that are on the other side of the scale, too. Because yeah, you need, you need also, an equal amount of representation of both that and... Right, and it's also, like... <laughs> more close. And to be fair, the other side of that, of the other side of that coin is that men in superheroes are also... Um, right, perfect right. idealized men. Like, yeah, these, yeah, these totally, giant yeah. Hunks the of spandex, man, yeah. You know, and and with these tight clothes that are like clinging, and you can see their abs through everything. Yeah, and, ridiculous like, amounts of muscle and just right. un, unreal you know, <laughs> images. And so, like, even, even they are also, you know, like unrealistic men. But that's also part of that's part of the superhero thing. Like the men in superheroes, the the men in superhero comics. Are are the best looking people, and so are the women. It's it's both sides of the thing, and that's not necessarily wrong. But I'm but but even the men are all fully clothed and usually like decked out. You can't see any any skin head to toe, right? Because they're wearing masks or something. So I just think it's something that needs to be, you know, that there could be some correction. There could be some stuff that's added. There could be characters that are added, and, and and the effort is definitely there for these changes to be made. Like Sam, um, uh, Falcon, who uh, started out as one of Captain America's partners, uh, Sam Wilson, he became yeah. Captain America. Uh, so in the comic books, there is a black Captain America. Uh, a woman became Thor. I don't read Thor. I never really liked Thor, but I know that there is a woman Thor. Yeah. Um, Iron Man, I mean, like, I know throughout the history, at one point, Iron Man's buddy Rhodey became Iron Man, and I know that there's been other Iron Men and all that stuff. Um, you know, like, like you know, there's 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 definitely stuff out there. There's a lot of room is, to grow, for sure. You know, there's definitely stuff out there that, that does address some of these issues, but but it's also, like, it just needs to be a continual thing, and I think one thing that would help it's just getting other creators in there, getting more female creators. Like, if you think about it right now, can you name? I can't personally. I cannot name more than three female writers at the moment. Like, off the top like of my head, comic book writers. Comic book writers. I can. I can only. I can only <laughs> think yeah, of. I, don't I can't know. even think of. I'm trying to think. There's. There's one female writer. 
who wrote Birds of Prey. And I'm blanking on her name right now. Even a lot of like the a, feminist stories that I know that are graphic novels um, are largely by written men. by, at least by men or in part by men. Right. And so it's just one of those things where I think we need to get more female writers in there. I think you need to get more, I think you need to get more minority writers in there. And I think that, that we would see different and interesting stories because it comes from their perspectives. Right. Um, but but I'll get off my soapbox and so we can get back to talking about IRL. <laughs> it's a big part of it. So, I mean, I think it's worthwhile to talk about. And as creators, I mean, like, I know both of us create content. Um, I'm working on a graphic novel right now. I'll wrap it up sometime, hopefully in 2017. And then Matt and I will probably work on something Hope in so. the future. Uh, so these are all things. I mean, this is, why, this is a big part of, like, why I want to do this podcast and bounce ideas off of each other and, and read these different... Um, these different indie comics and get an idea of like um, the perspective of people who need inclusivity and, and uh, representation. So I'll go through right. the, a little bit more of the synopsis here. Um, she, she gets invited into this all girls guild. So, um, you know, the way I read it is that you have to identify as female to, to be a part of this particular guild. The guild's called Fahrenheit. Um, and she meets uh lucy this person who actually lucy inside the game and i want to pause you real quick because i do want to talk about one of the things i did i did find interesting and i did like that it was included was uh, a woman comes to their class right to talk about this and and says you know like how many of you guys play this game online and how many of you play as males right yeah and I thought that was an interesting point that, like, even even gamer people, you know, women, even gamer women will play as males, you know, to be taken more seriously. Right. Which to gain I some was, respect in the world. Right. Which I, in the world of this game. And I thought that was an interesting thing, too. Yeah, I, d- I don't like, know any, any um, statistics on that. Like, I don't know if there's – but I can see how that could be the case. Right. I mean, I, listen, I don't play – I don't play MMOs at all. Um, I've never played in any MMO ever, uh, so I don't know what that world is like. But I like playing video games. I play right. online games, but right, right. But I don't chat to anybody, so I have no idea. And it's and they're <laughs> and they're and they're usually games like I play like well, Star Wars Battlefront. And or, it was I mean I think I'm more in the in the same room as you because when I played, um, uh, there wasn't this Xbox Live mentality of like. Um, shouting at each other over over the team speak and uh, a largely like young male dominated environment there wasn't even that like uh the people i just ba- basically uh, typed to talk and there was no there wasn't any like ventrilo or uh, team speak or any, any of those things yet that we utilize it was mostly just talking to people a lot of time there were japanese or uh, american or european um, and the gender was really unknown. Like there were, there were people who, there were, I'm sure a lot of men who chose to play female characters and that's the cool part about that world. And there were females who I'm sure chose to play male characters. Uh, that's the cool part of being in a virtual world with an avatar. Uh, but like Matt mentioned in this particular guild, guild, you have to build your avatar as a, and play as a female to be a part of it inside the story here. It's a very interesting part of the story.
So what do you think about, like, I know that you haven't played any uh, MMOs, but, like, what do you think, like, as she enters this world here, um, and she starts to play, like, the camaraderie, like, her her friend that she meets inside the game, uh, I believe she lives in New York, and then this, um, the main character, uh, Anda, lives in, in Arizona, and they develop a friendship through this, um, and it's and it's tested later on, um, when yeah. when uh, when Anda believes that she's she's on the good side and fighting the good fight, fighting the the gold farmers, which are these real money traders over um, in this particular case in China, uh, who are selling the 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 currency, the gold, inside the game for real money as a as a living, so she thinks she's fighting the good fight. Um, until she starts to get to know one of them, Raymond. She starts to meet this character, Raymond. So, what do you what do you think about that? Like, as you're reading that, it was it was a definite twist that I didn't expect uh, to, for there to be sort of a union message here, <laughs> and like a sweatshop message. Well, and it's also, I mean, to be fair, you know, it's like, you know, like yeah, it's a, there's a sweatshop message, but at the same time, this is like these gold farmers are in no nowhere near as mistreated as actual sweatshop workers right uh, to keep it in perspective uh i mean they're playing an online game they're not working in a factory with no air conditioning making you know making zippers as even as mentioned yeah. in here that I think like, they, it's not like they're making zippers right yeah it's something time, he chooses over that kind of life right and but at the same time it's still terrible um it's, you know, like, this... I equate the world they play in to being kind of like World of Warcraft. Right, um, essentially. Essentially one of those types of things. I've read a, f- a few books and comic books that take place... Excuse me. That take place in these virtual worlds that are created. Right, um, right. Books yeah, it's like a big Ready part Pro- of the zeitgeist right now. Like, it's right. virtual reality and virtual worlds, like... Uh, Ready Player One, things like that Ready are really ramping us up. Amazing book and audio book, by the way, if you guys want to check it out. Um, uh, Ernest Klein, right? Ernest Klein, yeah. Okay. Ernest Klein, who's one of my favorite uh, writers. Yeah. Um, he wrote he wrote Ready Player One. He wrote a book called Armada, um, which is I have not read book. Armada yet. It's it's a good one. It's not as good as Ready Player One, but it's still definitely good. Um, and then. And then he also wrote the movie Fanboys. Uh, he wrote the original screenplay for so that. So good. So good. Um, but, like, that mo- – and it's funny. So I've listened to a lot of interviews with that author. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but I've read a lot of interviews with that author, right. Ernest Klein, and he talked about why he wrote a book was because, you know, when he wrote Fanboys, he actually wrote it in 1998 before episode one came out. Right, and, yeah, there's that whole joke at the end. Right, and and so the script got, like, moved, and, like, it got optioned by several people, and then it got moved around until the movie was actually made. In, like, 2006, the movie was actually made. But then it didn't get released until, like, 2008, because there was a lot of drama involved with that. And then he, he watched it, and he was like, you know, it's not really the movie I wrote. Like, he, like, he said that right. it was, but it wasn't. And it wasn't like people could read his original script to see the differences. So that's why he wrote a book, he said, to oh, make it more pure. Because it was like, 
he's like, I'll make this book, and then if it's turned into a movie and people don't like the movie, I can at least be like, well, you like the book, though. Here's the book. You can still buy the book love and enjoy the book. The book I love the book so much. And I can't wait for the movie. The movie's being made right now by Steven Spielberg is directing it. Uh, it's being released by Warner Brothers, and it's coming out in 2018, so next year. Oh, my God. I didn't know it was that soon. Originally, it was going to be this this year. It was going to be this wow. December. Wow, I didn't know that. But it got pushed to next spring because uh, Star Wars moved its uh, release date from yes. May of this year to December, and Ready Player One didn't want to compete against Star no Wars. No way. Yeah, so no way. 100%. So it moved to spring of next year. I'm so, so excited. And uh, if you... I recommend I, – I listened to the audiobook. I didn't read the physical copy. I don't know if you did both. I know you did the audiobook. Um, I did both. <clears throat> and it's, it's I, read I by own, Will Whitman. It's amazing. Well, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Excuse me. Will Wheaton. And it's amazing. He does such a good job performing it. It's so good. Uh, see, and it's funny that you said it because I actually think he's a little too whiny. But that's Will Whitman. Like, <laughs> Will Whitman, yeah. The, the, no, yeah. Not, not quite. Not the poet. Wrong author, uh, yeah. Will Wheaton. Uh, I think he was a little too whiny in the uh, w- whenever he does certain lines. He does like have the, the wine. Book. Yeah, he's got he's got the the but wine thing cho- going. On. It's a it's a choice, and it's not terrible. It, you know, it's not bad. Um, it's a good it's a good audio book. I've listened to it several times, and I've read the I've read the physical copy of the book several times. I originally got the book in a loot crate, uh, which is a, one of those subscription box services. Like they sent that book, and I was like, "What is this?" So I read it, and I fell in love with it. I couldn't put it down. And then I actually own a second copy of the book that I bought because I went to a book signing for Armada. And I got both nice. Armada and... I, I bought two copies of Armada as well. <laughs> and I got Armada and Ready Player One signed by nice. Ernest Klein. Nice. And those are my ones that stay on the shelf. And then the yes. other ones, yeah, the ones yeah. that I can read. So, but, um, but, I mean, getting back to this, so like there's a lot of stuff in our culture right now that focuses on an alternate life, right. a second life, a virtual life, um, and and the th- and the communications you can have and the friends that you can make in those worlds are just as valid as the ones you make right. in the real world, and they feel just as meaningful to you as as if you were to physically meet this person. So that's kind of the situation that you have when our our main protagonist meets Raymond. Um, the gold right, farmer, right? Um, and they start talking, and she starts understanding a little bit more about his life. Um, and then, you know, through to continue this the synopsis, you know, they talk, and through getting to know him, she understands kind of the struggles that he goes through living in. Uh, what, what country is he living in? Is is it China? He's in China. Yeah, he's in, he's in China. Yeah, he's Chinese. So, so. Uh, you know, she, she understands some of the more struggles that are going through there. Um, he's a young kid. He's trying to get. He's trying to work for his family because his family doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah, he's sixteen, and uh, he lied 16. about being eighteen. Yeah, to get his to get this job. Yeah, and so you know, I understand. You know, like like it talks about a lot of the the harsh realities that that a lot of people have to go through, especially in countries that aren't America. Um, you know, right. here in America, we're very spoiled. Like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times, most of us, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who are struggling out there. I mean, I certainly know what it's like to not really be able to pay all your bills and to lose all of your right. savings because you're trying to pay all of your bills. But, 
Um, you know, uh, you know, there were, the, I mean, there have been times where I had to work seven days a week just to, right. just to, to not be able to pay my bills. Right. You know, like, like, like a lot of people have been there, but at the same time, you know, we still live in America, a place where we don't have to really worry about, uh, war affecting us in a, in, in a, in a, in, in a home front way. Like war obviously affects us, the wars that w- our soldiers are fighting across the seas, but we don't have to face that reality here. It's not very close here. Right. Um, and, and we're very spoiled as Americans in that regard is that like, you know, if you think about it, like, and, and it really hit home, um, in October, I went to Israel and it was very interesting being in Israel. We went to the Syrian border and we were looking into Syria from Israel and we saw like a couple, a couple towns and our tour guide told us, he's like, those towns are currently occupied by ISIS. Oh, and wow. It was so, I mean, and, and like, it's not like we were close, like there's a huge border and there are mines in between that border. Um, yeah. And there are barbed wire fences warning you about the mines that are in that field between the border. Wow. And, yeah. and there's mountains between the, you know, between the two countries and stuff like that. But, like, it's still really interesting to be, like, it's right there. This huge, massive crisis that is going on is and you're right staring there. at it in the face at that point. Right. And it's one of those things where it's, like, that's something that Israel has to face every day. Yeah. Uh, is that they are surrounded by conflicts that are happening in all of these countries, even within their own country with what's been going on with um, the UN sanctions, with uh, which, which uh, you, you know, not to get too political, but I think, you know, it seems like the UN ha- kind of has it out for Israel sometimes, which bothers me, but, but that's besides Yeah, it's interesting. Point. I didn't know that. But yeah, for the I, adults and the children there in Israel, they're staring I, that in the face a, every day. It's a reality, and you yeah. know, and then, and then, even a couple of weeks ago, there was that bus that ran into those four soldiers who were kids. So, in mm-hmm. Israel, it's required by law that um, when you become eighteen, you join military service. Now, there's a lot of things you can do in military service. You could become a nurse. You could be. There's a lot of stuff that you could do. It's not necessarily front line action. So you're telling but, me everybody eighteen and older is a part of the military? Ha- it is required by law to be. Now, there are exceptions. You can get out of it. Yeah. Um, but various ways, if you're pregnant, if you're, you know, there's a lot of, you know, if you're, if you have a religious ob- objection, so that there's a lot of Hasidic uh, Jewish people there who right. have a, a moral and religious objection to being in there. And so that, you know, the Israeli government does not force people like that. Like, there are definitely ways to get out of it. Um, but, but is a big part of that culture to do military service. If you don't do military service and you try to apply for a job and they look and you, they see that you didn't do military service, it hurts you because they're, you know, you're not seen as like, as, as being, you know, part of your country and part of the, the, you know, not serving your time. Like it's like, if you do military service, you can get ahead a lot more. You have a lot more opportunities afterwards. Yeah, uh, which is completely opposite from here. Whereas, if you do right. a military yeah. service in America, a lot of times you're looked at as damaged goods. You know, it's terrible. Well, especially to say, if you have PTSD or one of these terrible Ill- mental illnesses that you oftentimes right. experiences after things. You like know, that. And, you know, and so things these, that you experience kids, after that. Right, and these kids that were hit by this bus, they were kids. They were 18 year old, 19 year old kids who wow. who were fresh, out fresh of into their military yeah. service. 
you know, so like, so we're spoiled as Americans, and it's it's talked about in this book that we're spoiled yeah. as Americans in our own life. Like, we don't know. We you can't say that you know what it's like on an outside of the country unless yeah, no you've way. Lived in There's those no country. possible way. Unless you've lived in those countries and and you and you've gone through these experiences, it's it's impo- like you can you can try and understand it, but you don't know. You can't. You, you can't read about it in a book or the newspaper. Right. Yeah, watch a video, but there's no yeah. way to know what it's like to live that. Right, and so that's a big issue that's talked about in this book. Is is you know uh, it changes your paradigm in a big boy. way. Yeah, this Chinese boy has to do this to help pay for his family, like. That's a reality in that kid's life, um, and and again, that's not to say that there aren't kids. I know I I knew kids, you know, coming from a very uh, middle class, lower middle class area in Wisconsin. Uh, I knew kids. I you know, some one of my best friends uh, had a single mom who had you know, uh, you know, at the time was raising two kids living at home. Right. And and they lived in a very small house and was also taking care of her mother. Uh, and, and like, I, you know, I saw that struggle where they had to work a lot and they had to, you know, ha- help out and they had to do Yeah, you stuff. see the kids in so, a lot of cases in those families taking on a job to just you ha- you have help make to. ends meet. You know, and I'm, so I'm not saying that that doesn't exist in America, but I'm saying in large part, you know, Raymond's saying that he's the only one that has the job. In his right. family, and that he has to do it, and if he doesn't work, his family doesn't eat. Yeah, so that, so that cha- that changes her mind. You know, that yeah. changes Anda's mind about uh, these gold farmers, uh, definitely. Because before uh, she and the rest, you know, a large part of her guild saw them as people who made the economy and the game unfair. They made the game unfair because they inflated the economy of the game. Because they right. sold to people and sold gold to people who could afford to pay real money for it. So it was sort of their mission as the guild to kill, in-game, these gold farmers and to just take them out. And, and in one of those missions, she starts to, she starts to befriend Raymond and, and understand all this, what we've already just talked about. But, and but yeah, then, it's very and, interesting. You know, and then, of course, as the story goes on... Uh, she tells you know Raymond reveals that he he has illnesses and he's sick and stuff. He doesn't have health care. She says you should you should you know organize um, right. your uh, fellow workers together and unionize essentially. And then he gets fired because of that. Uh, right. He tries that, and so then she feels terrible and. She has to. Uh, She's affected his, his life in such a negative way. She feels like because she got him. She feels like she got him fired. Yeah, um, and so yeah. you know, and and then. Uh, and she's also had a rift with Lucy because Lucy finds out that she's been in cahoots with a gold farmer, and then they have a fight, and you know, and then it's, and then uh, let me see, and then it ends with, you know. She she seeks out another person who worked with Raymond, and you know it turns out that uh, that person is also encouraged by her to kind of stand up for themselves, uh, and they do right. And, by Raymond's uh, example, by Raymond's example, and they demand kind of a little bit better treatment. Um, yeah, it's it's shown in a panel here as they as they um, it shows sort of the 
the working conditions where all of these monitors li- lined end to end, you know, like a typical gold farm picture. If you Google gold farming for a while, for an example, like World of Warcraft, you'll see very similar um, setups like this. Um, yeah. And not then... the best working conditions, no health care, and then they all, at this point, there's a panel of them all confronting their employer to say, we have some, some demand. So there is some good coming out of all this. Right, and then... You know, then there's like a parent-teacher night or a parent night where they can see kind of what their kids are working on, and they're very impressed by what their daughter has built and, you know, like the game that she created, and they talk to the person who originally organized and invited her to be part of the guild and then are very impressed by, you know, what when they're told what their daughter was doing in the game and what kind of rights, human rights she was fighting for, they're impressed and yeah. then, um, you know, and then she's, you know, because at one point the parents say, you're not allowed to play anymore. We don't like what you're doing. Uh, yeah. We don't trust you. And then I can I can relate to that bit. Uh, like you can imagine explaining and like wanting to be a part of an online game, especially since she was getting paid. She was getting PayPal payments right. <laughs> sent into her account. So her parents are thinking, you know, what sort of online activity is our daughter doing? You know, is she in chat rooms? What is she doing? I don't know if right. you remember, like, a part of the 90s, there's a whole part of that don't go into a chat room thing. There was that chat room phobia that a lot of parents instilled in their kids. Which I can understand. I mean, I never went into a chat room, personally. I don't think but, I did either. But that's also because I didn't really have the internet until, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Really? really? I mean, I mean... Do you not I have it, like, like, in 95, like, the big boom? No, we didn't. I don't think I had internet in 95. We, so... Interesting. In 90... Trying to th- I'm trying to remember, in like 96, 97 is when we got our first computer, and we had AOL. Oh, that's pretty soon. Yeah, we, AOL, you know, I remember that. We had AOL, and I had, and I had an AOL kid sign in, and so like I couldn't enter chat rooms, but I could enter like a chat with a friend who my parents approved of. Oh, really? See, and, I wasn't restricted by the kids thing, I just had straight up okay. AOL. Yeah, see, that was the difference. And then, and then, and then we moved in two thousand one, and then we still had AOL. And then when we moved into our house in two thousand two, so I was twelve. Really, um, you're twelve. Is when in when when we got like like full fledged internet that wasn't uh, wasn't like AOL. Like you could just Google something. Oh wow! You were it. It wasn't until you're twelve till you got that. Yeah, we were poor, Brendan, okay? I, I grew up... We didn't all grow up with rich parents, Brendan. I think it was... I think it was like a work computer that I was on... That I, like, logged into. I don't know if I had permission, but... Um, it, it was a part of my dad's job, I think, that he had that computer. Um, my dad was an electrician, Brendan. He powered your dad's computer, damn it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> um, I was about to say because I was playing on. I was playing MMOs by 2011. I was. I was. Uh, yeah. I was playing. I was a part of this whole uh, multi, massively multiplayer online thing. Now, what were you playing point. at that point? Were you playing World of Warcraft? Or you I was. Playing I was playing EverQuest? Final Fantasy XI. Like in from 2001. Online? Yeah, yeah. It was already on. There were things like. Um, oh, okay. There were things like RuneScape and Ultima that were before that. That was I never played any of those, but those were um, those were like some of the first 2D and 3D massively multiplayer online. They didn't call them that at that time. There's RPGs. 
but they were they were online games where thousands and thousands of people played uh and it it was a part of that whole like you level up you get armor that whole like genre of games um and then before that there were like computer text-based games um they were really popular but uh i and then later of course i played wow for a bit in um high school and then college but Interesting. Yeah, I've never, I've never played, I've never played WoW. I never. Yeah, don't, don't take that red pill, man. Like it, it is addictive. <laughs> I haven't, I have not played a MMO like that. I haven't played an online game in probably a decade, but uh, it's there's been a long been, time. There's always been games I wanted to play like that. Like I always wanted to play Star. Like there was a, there have been Star Wars games like that that I always. Yeah, wanted to like play. Knights of the Old Republic. Like where you could be a Jedi and stuff. Like Knights of the Old Republic. I think there was Star Wars. Galaxies or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Star Wars Galaxies, that was a big one. And that I wanted to play. I always wanted to play those games, but I never did because those were only for Windows computers. And since 2008, I've only ever had Mac computers because <laughs> when I went to college, like the editing right. software I, we did in my film major was Final Cut, which was a Mac program. Um, it's still that, that way, largely. I mean, the, now it's a lot better with consoles where you can get... You can go through, um, and it, like, well, last time I played, you had to have like a hard drive attachment to the PS2. <laughs> but I'm sure it's built into the. I'm sure it's I'm like dating myself at this point, but I'm sure it's built into. Um, I have no idea. Whatever the newest Xbox is now. <laughs> uh, it's the Xbox One and the PS4. And the PS4. Yeah. Well, the PS4 Pro is the newest one. But interesting. Yeah, I, I, we were talking about Jack and Daxter the other day. I totally want to get into that. Totally a separate conversation, but yeah. it looks really good. So you know, so her parents are either way. Anyways, getting back to the to the comic, uh, her parents are impressed. They're you know, and and they're told that she's been kind of standing up for human rights, you know, and 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 everything kind of ends hunky dory. There's a big party, virtual party thrown in inside this world, right? Uh, right. Kind of honoring her. And then, uh, and then she meets a, a, a Raymond there. She meets Raymond there, yeah. uh, in a different avatar, and and they have a nice dance. And uh, you know, it's beautiful. That, yeah, it's really nice. It's really yeah. nice. And so, and so that's how it ends. Um, ends on a ends on a good note for sure. Yeah, it's a happy ending, kind of. So, um, that's the basic gist of the story. Uh, not getting too deep into it, but what do you? What do you think? What what were your thoughts on this book? Like, so one thing I didn't comment about too much as we were going through the synopsis um, uh, is the art. Like, what what totally drew me to this book? Um, what was the the art style and the the very traditional nature that Jin Wing uses? The traditional style of the the ink brush, like the brush pen, with. Uh, with the the watercolors, uh, okay. so so it's the the color palettes that she uses are beautiful. Uh, also, very I really love her her character design. Um, it's it's weird to say, but like I really love like just as an artist, I love like the noses and the eyes, <laughs> and just the way that she she puts a face together. It's really it's okay. different. It's different from a lot of. Um, like a lot of other things, a lot of other graphic novels that I look at, um, it's very, also, I tend to like things that are like animation style. Um, I know that we looked at a lot of in, um, 
Jingle comics in the se- those series that uh, when we looked at Stephen DeStefano and Stephen Glines, like I, I was really drawn to their work. It's there's sort of kind of a Bruce Tim nature to to Stephen to uh, uh, Shane Glines, and I just I love that. So this is this is um, very much so reminds me of um, like it, I could see this as like a two D animated movie. Um, but it also it really works on the static page because she's got these beautiful watercolors, um, and the way she tells the story, uh, and they're with with like little jokes and and, and bits and and uh, and gags in there um, that I'm not sure what whether she put in or Corey put in because I know that you know after listening to interviews that she was a really big part of adapting this to a graphic novel format, which is a lot longer than a short story. Um, yeah, which isn't, I don't, I don't see on here where it's really spelled out that that's the case, but, um, I know from a little bit of research that that, that's what she did. Yeah. The action shots. I, I really was drawn to it that way in short. Um, okay. We're in long. <laughs> that was really long winded saying I was drawn to it from the, from the art style, from that's the art style. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the story, um, it was just really easy to get through. Like I really, I didn't expect a lot of the. Uh, uh, the parts about, you know, the the unionizing and the the concern with, um, you know, gold farmers and the 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 nature of that work and like the hard reality of being a, a Chinese citizen and trying to afford just simple things that we take for granted, like like medical um, services and and uh, medical insurance. So yeah, you. T- you tell me a little bit about. I recommended this to you. Um, I don't think you had any idea what it was about. I just told you it was in real life. Nope. So yeah, take it from there. Uh, so one thing I want to make sure that we always maintain on this podcast is a a respectful, critical nature to everything. Yeah, totally. Um, because because it is an accomplishment. It is a true accomplishment. Uh, for someone to finish a graphic novel, to finish a comic book, to finish a any any story, it's it's truly yeah, it is an unbelievable easy. accomplishment. It, and then and for it, it to be a good story on top of it is uh, amazing. You know, um, and so and so well, you know, I'll get to that in a second. But like, just to finish something is not easy. It's really not. You know, there's so many people out there who will start, you know, myself included, will start writing a story or start scripting a story or start making a story and then you never get to the end. And and so this is a complete story and so there's there's a lot to be said about that. So in critiquing these, I want that to be known that uh, you know, everything I, I want to say is respectful and that everything uh, I'm about to say is not meant to be... He's about to tear uh, it apart. Folks. Taken in the wrong <laughs> way. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I'm going to just straight out say it. I didn't like it. I did right. I kind of, this. I kind of expected that when I suggested it, but that didn't hold me back from suggesting it because I think it's, it is an and important that's fine. read. And I, and I think that's fine, you know. Uh, and and we had talked about this on previous podcasts that we we want to have comics that we're going to have serious. Yeah, this is this is your about. one that you said you wanted in the in the past episodes. You wanted one to disagree about. So here we go. And 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 I'm going to say, you know, I'm not going to say I hated it. Like that's that's a very strong word. I didn't hate it, but if one, I would never have picked this up. So 
I did read it, and and that is one of the great things about this podcast is that I am reading this for this podcast. I would never have read this for good reason. I didn't like it, um, and I know it. Yes, and, please and explain. Reading reading the description, I could have probably surmised that I, I wouldn't like it, but that's besides the point. So, uh, first, I will start with the art because uh, that's how you started. I I do not like this art style. Um, and that, and I know that's a personal preference. So I'm not saying that this art style is bad. I'm not saying that this art style is, 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 you know, not, not artistic or anything like that. I just do not like this art style. Um, I don't like that every character has these weird rosy cheeks. I don't like the anime look of everything. The roundness and kind of mushiness of everything I don't really like. Um, that's just... It's a, it's, a, it's a complete personal preference. I don't like this art style. Um, I'm, you know, I can that can definitely why. make or break for anybody, especially me. If I don't dig the art, it's just going to be so hard to finish. Right. And, and, so, and honestly, I was reading this, and the entire time I was reading it, I was like, if I wasn't reading this for the podcast, I would have put this down already. Um, yeah, please please explain because I'm and, curious. And, you know, so that was that's just the art. I don't like I don't like the art. I mean, the coloring is fine; it complements the art style. But like again, I don't like the art style, so I don't really like the coloring either. Um, and then, as as far as the story goes, I don't like the story either. Uh, that being said, it's you know, like like I under, like I like what the story is trying to do. I just don't think it does it in a very well effective way. Um, I like the messages that it's trying to convey. I like the the proposed premise of the story. I like I like I like the ideas that are in there. I just think that the execution could have been better. So um, what what would you have done? And you know, any time in the future. When I disagree with you, feel free to ask this question. What would you have done differently, story-wise or art-wise, to deliver this premise that you agree with that wasn't necessarily successful, that you, well, in your opinion? And, 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 and it's successful in... I mean, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not successful in what it was trying to be. It is very successful in being what it was trying to be and telling the story it was trying to tell. I just I disagree with it and don't like it. Um, I, and I want to make that clear that this is 100% an opinion. It's not, you know, especially in, in this world today where um, we're, we're constantly, like, battling each other about political views or about reviews right. or about any of this stuff. I, I, I just want to make it clear that I respect this as a work of art. And, and like any good work of art, people can have differing opinions on it and those yeah, opinions totally. are valid. As long as you can back up your opinion with valid reasons, your opinion is valid. Now, if I was to rip this apart and just say, it's terrible and it sucks and, and, and it's stupid and blah, 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 but I couldn't back it up with any specific examples, to me that op- opinion isn't valid because I haven't thought about it enough. Right, I, right. I think in order to form a valid opinion, you really need to analyze why you think that way and have something to back it up. Um, it's one of the reasons that political discussions are so charged these days is because people believe things and don't have reasons to back up why they believe it. And it's okay to believe in certain things. Um, obviously, I don't think it's okay to believe that like 
that people who aren't white aren't as superior as white people. Yeah, that just gross not, things. The, yeah, yeah clearly that's aren't not good. okay. But there are there are differing ways that in how to run a government, how to run a country, that I might not agree with. But if you have an opinion that you can back up and that is valid, like like if you can back up your opinion by saying, "Oh yes, I actually think that that by cutting taxes for rich people." Uh, it's going to help everybody. If you can give me a valid reason, yeah, I'd like to why hear that. You think that, <laughs> then then that's great, and that's totally fine. Um, I, I I'll disagree with you, and I will show you facts and figures that support my argument. But if you can show me facts and figures that support your argument as well, like and that are actually valid facts and figures, I will accept that as okay. So it's a it's a differing of opinion. And sometimes it's, it, it sometimes it is literally left up to individuals. Like yeah. you could cut taxes for a rich person, and that person could then either donate more money, or that person could, you know what I mean? There are those good people out there, like Bill Gates, J.K. Rowling, George Lucas. Like these are all people who have donated vast amounts of their fortunes, over half of their fortunes, to to good causes. So if they have more money, yeah, they're going to donate to more causes. Like. Those people, but there's also the other side of that coin where there's people who are just going to have more money for themselves and not do anything to help other people with it. Sure. You know, so I think it all depends. There's a lot of variables. It's not a clear, like the world is not black and white. It's not if you do this, you're right, and you do this, you're wrong. It's, you know, there's there's middle areas um, on certain issues. Yeah, same seems so true for art. I mean, like there's some narratives for that speak to some people and some that don't speak to others. So I so exactly. tell, tell me so, a little bit more about why you disagree with the way this was told or not necessarily disagree, but like how it, how it could have been done differently. So, so it, it, it loses me and it's, it feels very um, top level. It feels very shallow in its meaning and its story and its morals. It, it feels very um, like it, it doesn't really get into the real emotions of these issues. Uh, now, do you think that's because it's a young adult piece and maybe we prefer more of an adult, deeper dive into these situations? Or could it have been done in a young adult I think manner? it could be done in a young adult manner. I mean, look at one of the best examples of young adult uh, literature is the Harry Potter books. They yeah, deal with yeah, serious, totally. deep issues, and they are they work on so many levels that adults love those books too. Even still, I love those books. Those books are young adult novels, but and children's novels, especially the first few, are children's but novels. Those, those suckers but are such... thick. <laughs> well, but so like if you compare first... it to illustrations and like pinning out like every panel, I mean that's yeah. something I notice. That's something I notice in graphic novels as well that it you have to make it more succinct and bite-sized because of the nature of the medium. Like, and how do you yes feel about that? Yes and no. But at the same time, a picture says a thousand words. Like, yeah, the reason yeah. books are as thick is because they have to describe everything. Especially, look at the first Harry Potter book. The first Harry Potter book is like something like, what, 100 pages, 200 pages? It's very reasonable three. compared it's, to the rest. It's, it's very little. This book alone is 200 pages. This or uh, let me look. I'm gonna get the actual page count. It is this. This is 175 pages. This book, uh, and in 175 pages, it's just it's almost just as long as the first Harry Potter book, uh, and 
it doesn't have to waste time describing things, describing what you're seeing. It's right there on the page. So in that respect, you know, it, 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 it's freed to use more space for the storytelling itself. You know, um, I've read many, many things that are much shorter than this. I th- like, like Apocalypto Girl is much yeah. shorter than this. It's about half this size, and I think it tells the story way better. Do you, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I would I would disagree. Um, that okay. I think that this story has more meat in it than Apocalyptic Girl. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. I, would I, say, I definitely. I would argue that Apocalypto Girl has a much more a much deeper meaning because because you know when you're reading that story, there is a history there that you can infer from everything that you're seeing, everything that she's experiencing, and everything that they're talking about. There's a lot more history there. It's a lot deeper. And all of those things are working together. This, I feel like, is, you know, it, it's it's using the visual medium not to its full extent. That's the other thing is that, is that gra- comic books and graphic novels and, all, and visual mediums have this advantage to where you can pack so much punch in a single image, you can really tell. You can tell an entire story in a single right, image. Right? Yeah, it's so, so powerful. It's so awesome. It's a good point. Sequential art, yeah. and this is narrative sequential art, and so you can do so much with that. And I feel like it didn't do enough. I feel, and especially, you know, especially like, like, and one of the things, that, the reasons I th- say that this is very superficial, is that like it like touches upon the gold farmer and it touches upon this life that Raymond leads. Right. Um, but, but you know, it, 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 at the end of the yeah. day, it's like, oh, I mean, you I see your, I see your care. point somewhat because you're like, what about your mother? Where, you know, what's the whole drama there? What's the, I mean, not even that. It's just like, it's, it's just like, to me, I didn't want, I didn't connect them on an emotional level to these characters, um, to any of these characters. Uh, and that's a big thing for me, you know. Apocalypto Girl, I connected with Aria. Uh, really interesting. In, in that's interesting rock, to me. In, in Punk Rock Jesus, I connected with Chris and with um, uh, oh, what's his name? The uh, um, the the Thomas? guard. Thomas. I connected with Thomas, and I connected with Rebecca. Um, right. And Gwen, like I connected with those characters. I didn't connect with any of the characters that I'm seeing here, you know. Uh, I didn't get anything from them. I didn't get anything from reading this emotionally or mentally. Um, I, I I just felt that it was very very top line superficial in its in its narrative form. Um, you know, now if I was younger. Maybe I would have liked it a lot more. I mean, that's certainly true. There's a lot of movies that I liked when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, and, and you might be more into it, now. like if you're if you're into MMOs or into RPGs and things like I that. Mean, or maybe, but I don't think that's necessarily a bearing on this because I, you know, Ready Player One, as we've talked about right. in this podcast, that is a MMO. God, I'm it's so ready VR. for the movie. It's a VR <laughs> MMO, and yeah. I'm not. I, I again, I love that book because I yeah. connect with those characters because because it's. You know, it, it it 
I feel like it goes deep into the issues it needs to go deep in. Like, this is presenting you with issues that I feel like it doesn't go into enough. It's presenting you with all these things, and it's kind of very top line. It's very, it's very headlines. It's like those people on Facebook who, who, who repost an article because they read the headline. Or they look oh, at the picture goodness. from the article, and so they repost it, and they don't read the actual article. You know, I know people. Uh, you know, I, I know people who have who literally posted two different articles with different opinions, and the only reason they posted them both is because the picture was the same on both articles. <laughs> like, and, and it was like, and it was frustrating because I was like. You know, and I pointed it out to them, and they never responded. I was like, "You posted two different articles, um, and I don't think you read either article because they're saying opposite things, but they have the same Goodness. picture, which is why you posted them." And yeah, like, fa- Facebook is a know. cancer. <laughs> I use it for events, but that's that's about it. That's all I use it for. I, I mean, don't, clearly, don't I don't use me, it much. Don't get me wrong; like I like being able to read things on Facebook. I like people posting things that I maybe have more of a read. more of an Instagram guy. Or I will tell them that's that I love Instagram way more, but yeah. like, I do like it's I do like point, being yeah. able to find articles and things on Facebook. But before I repost anything or before I take anything, I always try and do a little bit more digging. I'll oh go God, to please, yeah, everybody, I go to please, Politico. I go to Snopes, I go to Politifact. Like, the, like there's so many websites out there that are dedicated to fact checking that you don't have to take an article for its word. Like, there have been articles that that are, are of course, biased from the journalists, from the network. There, that happens. So you kind of have to find the middle there. You kind of have to find the, the nuggets of truth and take them from what you will. Um, like, if you read an article that talks about, like, oh, well, this person is doing terrible things, this person is doing this, and it's going to affect... This, this, and this, and it's gonna. And this is how it's gonna make everything terrible. Maybe try and look into. Well, how could it? How? Why are they doing it? Because they're not doing it. I'm sure to be a terrible person. We're not. We're not living in a world of supervillains. Like let's look not at the yet. other. Yeah, not yet. Uh, let's look at the other side of it and what a why, the the reasons they're saying they did it, and just kind of looking into things a little bit more. Um, yeah, totally. I, I, and so yes, this, please, this yeah. doesn't do that. This you think it's it's much more surface surface level than right than it needs to be. Well, I mean, I I I I respectfully disagree about that. Um, I think that it it does everything it needs to do. Um, The reason I think that is, um, I think it does plenty to describe the the negative conditions of um, what she's trying to prevent and who she's trying to help. I think it does a whole lot. I mean, it answers a whole lot of things that are within online games and a lot of issues there. I mean, like, one thing we didn't mention was, like, Gamergate, which is this whole thing I'm not totally familiar with, but it is, you know, young males acting out viciously online toward female players just for the simple fact that they are female or they identify as female. Um, this has but a lot of things in the in the peripheral deal with any of those issues like like she doesn't deal with any like that is a so, so there's an a prime but, but in that case it's kind of light and nice i think i think it's nice to idealize like i don't know what time period she's living in but maybe she's living in a post gamer gate world hopefully where these issues are not so much the case and where 
you know what I like about it is, like, a young gamer girl, like, the new generation of gamer girls, right? Like, the more than 40% probably in the future who will grab this and say, you know, I'm a gamer, and I read this, and I don't have to live what I live every day when I go on Xbox Live or when I log into my favorite RPG. Like, this is just, like, idealized, and this is, like, girls hanging out with girls and having a rad time online. And there's a little bit of, the, like, the, um, you know, the melodrama mixed in with uh, the gold farmers and things like that to give it a nice story arc. And I think it's pretty light. I mean, like, I, th- I think we're putting maybe, or I maybe put, you know, as, like, a 27-year-old, 26, 27-year-old um, heaviness on it. And, like, I, I, maybe I want a little more, I want a more depth out of it. But um, I think we'll get that out of things like Habibi uh, that we'll, rev- we'll review yeah. shortly by Craig Thompson. I mean, we'll get we'll get pretty heavy into some serious adult themes and graphic novels. But this one, as it is, um, um, you know, I'm really pro Jin Wang. Like, I follow her on social media, and I've watched some interviews here lately about her. Um, okay. And, and yeah, I, I just I really dig the message that she's trying to get across, and and I think it's successful. And I that's that's. The reason I pro- I give it a four for both art and story. I'm I'm gonna give it uh, well. Uh, so 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 just addressing what you said, I I think that it presents these issues and doesn't doesn't go into them like presents the the women playing online as women and and dealing with the with 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 a with a male dominated society in the gaming world it doesn't deal with that at all Mm -hmm. it presents it and doesn't deal with it it presents the gold farming but doesn't really deal with it like it like at the end like oh it's great you know the the the, everybody gets up and they go talk to the boss say we have demands but like we don't see any of that payoff we don't see any of 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 the consequences of any of that stuff so it's very just like i don't know it's very shallow again in its meaning. Like, like we're not getting any details into those issues. And I'm so, not even so. Let's hear. Let's need, hear your scores. I'm curious. I don't at need this a point. deep thing, but like I'm just saying, I would like it to, it to go a little bit more or to actually address these issues in some other actual consequential way. way. Um, story, I give it a one. You know, it, it's it, the story doesn't work for me. Art, I'm going to give a two. But the reason I give it a two is because I mean so that's, the art, that's a fifty percent. So four being the best from our scaling system, the four color scaling system. Right. So uh, comics originally, when they were created, had four colors. So thus, we've decided to uh, rate all of our things on a four color scale. Right. Uh, and so I give the story a one. Um, uh, again, I don't like the story. I don't. I, I'll. I will most likely never give something a zero. Uh, but it's possible. Um, it's possible, you know, like like when we read Jingle Bell, there was something I gave a zero. Right. Um, that short story, but like mostly, I would never give something a zero because nothing is usually that bad. That especially that something that is read. successful, that is a full story it's that's completed. And what the I I think the author was trying to do. I just don't like what the author was trying to do, and I don't think that the author went deep enough. Um, and I and haven't read any of this, you know, the, anything else that Corey's done. Mm-hmm. Corey Doctor. And, and and then the art, I give a two because it's not my style. I don't like it. I don't like the roundness. I don't like the mushiness of everything. Um, but at the same time, 
I've recognized that that's an opinion thing. Uh, so I would give it, you know what, I'd probably actually give it a two and a half. Because okay. it's successful in its art. I just don't like it. And, and one thing I, wanted, I didn't mention earlier, but she had mentioned in an interview, this is amazing. I'll tell you right now, just from somebody who does traditional and digital and all that is amazing. She, um, she felt wrong about the first rough draft of the first couple pages that she did. Uh, and she talked with her editor and she said, listen, I want to redraw all the pages or most, the majority of the pages that I've done. So she ended up doing the whole thing, um, all 175 pages in about nine months, uh, wow. pencil, ink, and colored in about nine months, which is um, unheard of. I can't even imagine <laughs> putting something I mean, together amazing. like that. Yeah. And, and, and you can, I mean, this artist is definitely an amazing artist. Like, listen, like you can talk about Picasso. I don't really like Picasso's cubism work, but, but it's, 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 it, it is works of art and this is works of art. And that's why I gave it, that's why I wanted to give it a two and a half as opposed to a two. It's better. Like I just, I'm rating it based on personal preference. But right. Is Which is what we're both doing art. in all of these. Yeah. Right. It's successful in its art. It's beautiful in its art. It's just not the beauty that I seek. It's not what I like. Um, cause I just don't like the style. Um, one thing no, I want that... to talk about before we get out of here, I mean, I think we both rated it and you can wrap it up as you see fit here, Matt, you let me know if there's anything else you want to say, but I want to talk about, uh, as we, as we wrap it up here, I want to talk about VR video games, what that looks like going well, forward. Bef- before we talk about that, then yeah. I do want to say one more thing. I read the intro in this book by yeah. Corey, Doctor, doctor, and I read it. Yeah. Doctor, okay, I read it after I read the whole thing because I didn't want that to influence me. Because obviously, that, yeah. that's a personal letter from the author, and it's one of those things where I like to read those afterwards. Sometimes, if I don't oh, really? already know the that's author, because I don't want that to that that writer's writing in like a personal letter to the reader. I don't yeah. want that to affect how I. That's rate so interesting because I rarely read the, the preface either to anything. Until after, okay, right. Until afterwards, and like, and that's just, and that's just what I like to do. Like, if it's somebody like Paul Dini or something like that, I know I'm gonna like Paul Dini's work. I'm gonna read his preface. I'm gonna read his intro letter, whatever you want to call it. But, but when it's someone new, I like to go in fresh. I want to read the work, and then I'll go back and read it. Um, I read the work and, and wasn't wasn't thrilled about it, and then I read the intro and I really hated him. Okay, not hated, <laughs> but like. Like the thing that the thing that t- that put it over the edge for me, and I want to find it. He talks about the Occupy Wall Street movement. Yeah, I and, I will be with you on this one. I I listened to a few interviews um, uh-huh. of Corey, and apparently he's a science fiction writer. I have not read any of his work. I can't comment on anything else besides IRL. But he just I don't know. He just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like I didn't I, I didn't really. It, he was a little lofty, really. Like in the way he described it. And I always jumped in the video interviews to, to Jin Wang when she was describing the book rather than Corey. Cause she just didn't really, she, she didn't try to get too grandiose about it. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to, I mean, like he, like he's talking about the internet he's talking about how people can organize and he says, you know, today we get these free envelopes and stamp addressed, uh, address books for free. This is so fantastically huge, different, and weird that we haven't even begun to feel first tendrils of it. 
Uh, moments like the Occupy movement and the Genzi uprising in Istanbul will be remembered as the tiniest tremors of what happened when people can organize more cheaply. Working together in Secret Origin Story, we uh, diverge from our hominid answers. It, it just, I mean, right, what that's he's talking lofty. about there. <laughs> I mean, he, he's that's talking grandiose. about these, but, but like anybody who mentions the Occupy Wall Street movement, the Occupy Wall Street movement was a failure. I don't, like, I understand. Was it? Do you, it? you think so? Uh, yeah, because it wasn't a real protest. Like, or was it, there was no point to it. Like, in order to have a successful protest or in order to have a successful, um, any, It definitely anything, got into the, like, the zeitgeist of the culture. Like, everybody knows what you mean when you say Occupy, Occupy Wall Street. It's the, it's the 1%. Yeah, but who gives a it shit? Made, it inserted that it into the lexicon of the culture. What did it accomplish, though? Uh, okay, Got all right. The, the, <laughs> most su- the most successful protest or marching or organization that has ever happened is the civil rights movement in the 60s by, by, by Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Uh, they had purpose. They wanted to be treated fairly. They wanted certain things to end. They wanted they wanted um, segregations to end. They wanted all that stuff to end, and that's what they marched and they organized and they they demonstrated and they did all these things with a purpose. They had a leader and they had a purpose. The Occupy Wall Street movement had no central leadership. It had no purpose. They had no set demands. Like, it wasn't like, we're going to occupy Wall Street until the people who caused this financial collapse and the people of Wall Street... Um, do, you you know, do you think it achieved who, any awareness? No. No. I mean, sure. Every, it achieved awareness that these, these, these people were... Uh, you know, if anything, if anything, it hurt any cause they helped because it made it a joke. That's very you possible. Know? I mean, I I don't I, I don't know enough to comment any further. Like, besides that, I know that it it definitely made me aware of the of um, different bits of terminology that are very popular, like in in the zeitgeist isn't right enough. now. Awareness isn't enough. You know, you need you you know like. If you want people to be made aware, uh, sure, great, that's fine. But like, you know, if they want, if they really wanted to make a change, they would have, they would have occupied Wall Street with the purpose that they wanted people brought to justice. That they want, Wall, they wanted Wall Street to be held accountable for the lives that they ruined by. Well, stealing I agree with you on money. demands. Like, like have a like, mission. You know, <laughs> like, like, like that's the point. But they had no mission. That was the problem. Yeah, have, have, have a Street mission. Have demands. Have have different goals you can't have that need to be a successful met. Yeah, protest yeah, I agree. or movement without a purpose without a cause like that's that's like the basic thing about any of that stuff so like like well for example, I, I probably lacked leadership right i mean that's probably well, a big right, issue but but that, uh, but on purpose though they were like oh we have no central leadership we're just a movement with every moving part and it's like that's dumb you need central leadership. You need someone to be organizing. Otherwise, you're, you're just a bunch of random people doing stupid shit. <laughs> like, like you know, let, let's let, current events. You know, the Women's March on Washington. Yeah. By the way, that happened today that, when we we're recording this podcast. Right. It's very timely that for a, a feminist graphic novel. That had a purpose. Right. That was to to show uh, the current administration that women's rights are human rights. Right. That they're they're not different, and it was it was a demand that the president 
um, our, pre- uh, our, our, our now inaugurated 45th president of the United States, oh, Donald God. J. Trump, uh, that he respect women's rights. That is a successful message. They had central leadership because they, who they organized this march on Washington with speakers including um, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Madonna. Uh, there was there. I mean, uh, other uh, um, the uh, the Cal- there was a California senator whose name is escaping me right now. Um, but like they had Scarlett Johansson a purpose. <laughs> No, no, it was it was a senator in the in the. Well, Senate, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, Senate. I know, did oh do a bit she was for there. Planned Parenthood. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. So that was there, Mark. I mean, in in New York, uh, in, in like a sister event in New York, right, which they right. also did in other cities. But in New York, there were Mark Ruffalo spoke, Alec Baldwin spoke, um, uh, Michael Moore was speaking, mm-hmm. um, and, and and it was you know so it, I mean it was this event. Where they wanted, they want the president to acknowledge that he's going to be dedicated to women's right. rights. Right. Now, now, obviously, the president at the at the time of this recording, the president has not commented on the on the march, has not right. commented on the the movement or the protest. Incredible, or like man! That. Incredible. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. <laughs> Like nothing has been yeah. said, so it will be interesting to see what happens now. If, um, so, and if it if if this march was successful or not is determined by the future. So, if let's say women's rights keep being ignored, if there's another march or if there's another demonstration, then then this this was the beginning of this movement. If people start right. holding their representatives and there's and their and their government accountable for not accepting women's rights, or not treating women with the respect that they deserve, then this march was successful. I this, think it. I think it already movement, is successful. Personally, I mean, it's successful because in I mean, you started even even early, like younger generations. Like you, there is a tidal wave, my friend. Like there is a movement coming, like none other. I think this I mean, is the. Sure. I think this is the last. This is the last few explosions that people who aren't moving forward and who aren't being progressive, this is the last uh, battle cry. This is the last war cry for those people. And then we have a movement coming. Like, I think that the, that the younger generations are going to view this. They're watching. I mean, they're watching. So this, is, this, I think, will be successful. But at the same time, I mean, that's a, I mean, racism still exists, and the and the youth was watching in the '60s with Doctor Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, and racism is still very prevalent today. I mean, you have a racist running the country, you have you have white supremacists, uh, you know, who who are still organizing and holding holding you know neo Nazi rallies in Washington. Uh, I think it's you know, I think it's the last Trump. stand, man. I think it's the I last stand. I, I think I think I think believing in that though is is don't let that I stop think, your push forward. But I think it I think it is a weak. I think it's a very it's a it's something that they succeeded at, right? So and I think I think, I think it's, it's a weak attempt. Sure, yeah, it's weakening. But, but at the same time, it was strong enough to get this man elected. You know, and it's it, it reminds to- it reminds me of the scene where the Belrog and Lord of the Rings, right, when they're in the mines of Moria, whips around his 
his whip around uh, Gandalf's feet and rips him down into the depths of darkness. And then they have to, like, accept that defeat. And they're, like, weeping on the side of the mountain. But yeah, they go but, on but and they the kick ass, time. man. Like, Gandalf comes back, Gandalf the White. And they, <laughs> I think that's, I think that this is the last stand. Just personally. I, I, see, I, I, and I don't think that because, because, I mean, just history shows. Cause it, and this isn't just in America. This is all over the world. This is all, all over the world over, right now, no doubt. All over, all over Europe, uh, um, people are... I mean, it, to to go on the left the left right scale that we use in America, and I think is used in a lot of places as well. Um, to go on that scale, a lot of right winged extremist leaders are being elected, and and I think it's 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 That's a true. big part of globalization. I think yeah. people are scared. I think change is happening rapidly. I think progression totally. is yeah. happening really fast. And I think it's leaving certain people behind. Yeah. I think it is leaving I mean I mean uh you know, just talking about about factory workers, there's this promise that that uh our, our current president keeps making that he's gonna bring jobs back. But truth be told, if what's gonna what I and this is just my opinion from the research I've done and what I've read online by various sources and also what I've seen is that if they do if they do end up like renegotiating trade deals and imposing new trade deals and like companies have a harder time leaving the country then what's going to happen is that they'll stay in the country but they're going to automate Look at carrier right. um, carrier air conditionings that's the big that was the first big thing that that um, uh, President Trump said that he was a victory for him before he was even in office, that he called the CEO of Carrier and that they saved a 1,000 jobs and they weren't going to move a plant to Mexico. You know what happened uh, a week later? Uh, that CEO was being interviewed and was said, yeah, we're going to automate the plant now. Like we're going to take the tax credit they gave us for not moving to Mexico, and we're going to automate the plant so we still don't have to pay for workers. So, yeah. so those jobs are still going to be lost to robots. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. Which, which is like, what do we do in that case? Because there is an inevitability there of uh, automation to to replace a lot of us. You know, even artists at this point. Um, I mean, what needs what needs to happen? I think artists are mostly safe. At this point, because at you this can't, at this particular right. point, until right. you can program a computer to be, I think it's possible. Be, are, are, well, I mean, there there is there is AI. Um, the IBM computer, Watson, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. he's. I mean, supposedly really smart, uh, and and could potentially create something artistic. But at the same time, until that happens, though, until that's widespread, I think artists are safe. But I think what's going to happen is that is that factory workers. And, and and people who work in plants and people who do that kind of stuff, they're the ones that are going to get screwed. What needs to happen though, like if you if if we really want to help Middle America, if we really want to help those people, what we need to do is we need to give companies that retrain those employees and keep yeah, them yeah, on yeah, yeah, doing yeah. something else. I agree. We need to reward those places with either a tax cut or some 
you know, subsidizing that training or... We probably need to retrain those people to a more technical... To do a different yeah. job. To, yeah, yeah. to do more a, a job that they can do in the future. And what's going to happen? Yeah, people are going to be left behind and it's absolutely awful. We need to, as a society, figure out a way to help those people. Now, it's very easy to be like, yeah, well, they need to either get with the times or they're out. Um, and, and, and truth be told, that's kind of... I don't know. It's, it, that's the rhetoric I feel like that, that is going to end up happening... Um, and I think it's wrong. I think we need to help other people, like just like just like IRL. You know, in IRL, this young girl sees that this other sixteen-year-old kid across the world is getting you know needs help, and she does work to help him. I think that's what we need to do for the rest of. I, I think that's just what we need to do. You know what I mean? Like like yeah yeah yeah. I I, com- I completely agree that um, there's some social responsibility like from a corporate perspective that. Uh, Needs to be uh, there's there needs to be some retraining there and all that. Um, I'd like yeah, to I'd like to st- I'd like to take a sidestep and and before uh-huh. we end this out because I think we're at like a buck thirty right now. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some VR. Let's let's end out on some some positive like <laughs> uh, some things about the technology and like where we see it going because this is in the same vein of this book. There's there's. This is definitely in the culture right now. A lot of what people are writing, like Ready Player One, like the VR, AR environment and playing yeah. field. What about that? Like, where do you see this going? I mean, I see, I see uh, this. I see it's very much the past. Um, right. I don't know. Uh, this this book was written. Uh, let me look at the copyright date. Yeah, a while ago, um, I think. A while. I'm ago. sure it's a while ago. But like to me, I see everything moving towards what Ready Player One is. I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. Right now, we have... Um, I think have I think it VR. was... Uh, this is pre-WoW, just to, for gamers who are listening. <laughs> this book. I don't think this is pre-WoW. That would be I think real it is, old, yeah. Man. Yeah, I think it's wow, that old. WoW's been around for like 20 years. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is pre-WoW. Yeah, I couldn't find like, a copyright either. either. Yeah, I can't, I can't find it. That's weird. Um... <laughs> There isn't one in here. Uh, but so um, uh, I think – I think. oh, wait. I found the copyright. It's on the back. It's, it's the last page. It's uh, first edition is 2014. So it's not even that old. Oh, wait. It's, it was in real life was adapted from a story 2004. Called, yeah, in 2004. So that's – WoW was around in 2004. Uh in yeah, like probably. Yeah, like in 2006, I remember working uh, But at, But to be fair, they were writing it probably way before that. But, uh... I mean, sh- yeah, either... I mean, either way, I think that I think that this is kind of addressing old-world problems. Like yeah, it's, it's more than a problems, decade old. So. You know? Um, it's, tw- I mean, it's a 12-year-old story. I think the world, in terms of technology, is moving... is going to be more like... Uh, it's gonna blow our minds, one. man. Like Ready Player One is gonna be is is I think the future. We have VR technology that's coming out right now. We're standing the at the rift right now. The PlayStation VR is extremely popular. It's well priced. Um, it's like four hundred. I haven't seen that, that one. I haven't even used and anything. I haven't used any VR at all yet. I'm waiting for. I'm saving oh, it up. Really? I've heard about the HTC Vive is like probably the best one. But yeah, but it's so expensive. Like who can yeah, afford that? Yeah, but I want that? it. I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and and also you I have to try computer. It out. You have a, I, I mean, I've tried it out. So that's I the thing. Your computer to, has to be a beast. 
Right. Um, and, and, and that the price of making it capable is actually coming down. It's becoming more commonplace. But, like, so I work for, for Nickelodeon, um, the Da-da-da. television channel. Yeah. And, and I've tried a couple of VR experiences that they've created. Yeah. Um, which are absolutely incredible. They use the Oculus and they use the HTC Vine and all this stuff. And, like, the experiences you're able to have are breathtakingly incredible. Just, like, the craziness of it all. Um, and, and, like, the art uh, work, when you work for Nickelodeon is owned by Viacom. And at Viacom, they've also had VR demonstrations. So on the day of the election, they had a VR demonstration that was you would try the VR on and it would be a living art piece. It'd be a moving art Ooh. piece that was created in VR. It yeah, was is it like so tilt brush cool. kind of thing? Like I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that, that kind shit. Of stuff. It's and nice. So like you can you can move around. There yeah. was like a set perimeter. So if you got too close to the perimeter, like a, a red light would come, like a red like grid right. would come up. Okay. Saying that you were you were about to be like kind of like in the danger zone or the area right. that you can't That's be cool. in. But, like, you can, like, you could duck down. Like, you could move your head down. You could squat down and look at something from a different thing. Um, there was an art piece that I experienced that was um, a response to Pulse, uh, to the Pulse oh shooting my in God. Orlando. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And it was just all these bright Powerful. colors. And it was very, it was very positive, And it was, like, Yeah, very, okay. Awesome. Um, like, and there were these messages that were written in it. And it was. Wow. I mean, it was an awesome experience, and so, and this is just the beginning of this this technology. Like, we're in the infancy, really of VR. Yeah, like, like yeah. VR has been around in, right. in concept, and like, and like you could go to like Disney Quest and play VR <laughs> games and stuff like that. Way, yeah, for a long like that's been around for a long time. Right, but like now it's it's still like even that was its infancy. Right. This is, I mean, because all that was was. It, you're, you had a controller of some sort, and and it just looked 3D. Essentially, there were 3D glasses on the screen, and that it would track your head movement right. slightly. You know, now we're getting to the real infancy of this technology, and I think people are calling it like happen, semi teleportation. Like they feel teleported into the. And did you feel that at all? Like, did you feel like a part of the environment? Like, like you looked down, you didn't see your body. Like, how did you feel about, I haven't experienced it yet. I'm sure I'll mention yeah. on the podcast whenever I ex- experienced for the first time, it blows my mind, but it seems wild, man. Like, and what like, if, like, think about when it's indistinguishable from well, the real I, I world. Think, and I think that's a long way away. Like, obviously in things like, Ready Player One, they have complete haptic suits that yeah. you can really feel the experience of the world around you. Uh, I think that it's, we're, we're still not quite there yet. Um, and that's when it will become more indistinguishable. Or if we get into, if we get into a world where you can straight up plug it into your brain, something like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, just like that's a... When a it's, a neural prosthesis, like something we attach to our right. like electromagnetic connections or synapses, whatever the electromagnetic right. signals, so we can feel the touch and the smell and the right. all of that good stuff. I think that technology is is it's it's not. I don't think it's necessarily out of our lifetime, but I think it's towards the oh end God, of I'm our ready. lifetime. I'm ready for it. <laughs> it's it's gonna like like we'll be lucky if we see definitely it. definitely toward the end. But, yeah, but it but it would be like if if the earliest we would see it is towards the end of our lives. But I think that we are very much going to be in a world really soon where virtual reality 
is in every home. It's a, it, it's an experience that everyone has. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, and this is a this is a million dollar idea to anyone listening. Uh, I want to cut though. <laughs> is is virtual reality movies? I mean, they talk about it in Ready yeah, Player I mean, One. Yeah, and, and I, I know there, they have worked on some. Like there are people that have worked on animated pieces that are. And, and that was something I had in my mind to talk to you about. Is what does that look like? Like what does storytelling look like? Because we're so used to the cinematography of the uh, you know this this horizontal s- strip that we all look right. at, and we right. we frame it. We use the rule of thirds there are all these things we use in cinematography to make it to tell the story what in the hell do we do with a full 360 pan of the environment how do we tell the story honestly i mean it's it's already been done though look at disney world look at the rides in disney world look at i mean you're wearing right now you're wearing a honda mansion t-shirt look at the honda mansion look at look at the jungle cruise look at pirates of the caribbean they are they're telling the story in 360 good point and and you look around and they're telling experience. It's just it's just translating it to an experience that you can now have from the comfort of your own home. You know, um, oh, there man, are awesome. short shorts that are already created that are three sixty experiences that are like um, there's a couple horror ones like where you're in a wheelchair and you can't talk like you know and like oh. and you're being wheeled through this like house of horrors like this psychiatric hospital and it's it's honestly really terrifying because like, you look to the left so... and look to the right. And you see all these terrifying things, and like you look down and you see your body in a wheelchair being pushed along. You look behind you, you see the pushing <laughs> the person pushing you, wow. um, and they're terrifying. They have like a bag over their head or whatever, and like it's a terrifying experience. And that's that's a reality. That's something that's coming out. Like, what do you those think about types of stories are created already? What do you think about this? So, like in real life, it's like there's the uh, the idea of in the graph and how we, we just reviewed in real life. There's this idea of like avatars that you like assume. So I've I've known people who've done podcasts in I've uh, listened to podcasts that have happened in VR space. So somebody's a gingerbread man, and then somebody's like a ball of light, like Buddha or whatever they choose to be as an avatar. And, like, you're seeing all these people who just, like, are the forms they assume or choose or build and want to live out. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for storytelling, podcasts, um, yeah, the, like, entertainment, the stuff, the, the industries we work in? What's that going to look like? I mean, I think it evolves everything a lot, especially in terms of content. Yeah, it changed um, the game. I mean, I mean, look at, look at, at paintings, if you look at paintings before photography, they're very photorealistic. And there's still right. impressionist stuff and there's still all that stuff exists. But it, but for the most part, paintings are photorealistic. Then you get cameras. You can take photos. So you don't need photorealistic paintings anymore. So painting then become evolves into an expression, an art form, right. all that stuff, right? Um, silent films. Uh, silent films were an art form and then sound came along and now silent films are kind of silly and hokey looking and they don't make any sense so film evolves um, radio shows uh, ra- I mean radio shows were were essentially the things you see in movies until talkie, talkie movies came along and then the those talkies. evolved into other things you know it's like, it's like everything evolves so with the invention of virtual reality storytelling I don't think that the other forms of storytelling will go away. I think it I don't either. Change. I think it's very much like books. Right. I mean, I just I just think that it will change because 
again, like in Ready Player One, what do they do? Well, they create these virtual spaces where they watch cassettes and they watch DVDs and they watch movies and stuff like that on a so TV. So great. A virtual it's such space. a great part of it. And so, like, I think that that's kind of where things will go. Um, in the VR experience I talked to you about uh, or a little bit ago when I was saying it was a Nickelodeon VR experience, there is... So you have two, you have two controllers in your hands, and you're walking around, and the controllers... So you can't walk. Like, technically, you could walk, and it could register your walking, but they created, like, a teleportation teleportation right i've heard that i've heard that that's the main point of transportation is the teleporting method right now in vr right and so like you it's like a point and click like and then you're and then you move forward and that's just the safest way to do it at the moment because obviously we don't have like like treadmills or something like that where we can walk and right it can register our movements not yet um but um you know and, and and so but in that in that game that the experience that they created, you could pick up a cassette and you could put it into a player and you could watch on a giant screen. In this world, you could watch on a giant screen the content that you were watching. That's amazing. And I think that's, you know, so I think that that's content will still be created just in a different form. So. That's so, so cool. And then there's AR, which we did speak about. But, yeah, man, uh, good stuff. Um, I AR, think I think, I think is cool, but I think yeah. AR would, I think eventually AR will go away. Uh, I, I think VR will be more successful and I think AR really, will go away really interesting. and be replaced by actual holographic images similar to like something that you see in like a hollow deck. Yeah. 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 In Star, Star Trek, Trek style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think we'll see that technology, but I think we might see that in our lifetime. Probably not, if it again at the end of our lifetime. But I think that technology, like of being in a completely virtual world without a headset, is is, I mean that's that's I think the ultimate goal. Right. I think that's the ultimate thing that will be created is that. And there's there's that whole idea of when VHS came, tape came came out, and and this was the home entertainment system. And this was the idea that people were actually worried about, or at least somewhat worried about, that you might not go to the movies anymore. You might just have your movies well, happen within the home. When, yeah. when television came out, that was a real worry. And then VHS came out, and it but was But we a real still, worry. I mean, I still love me some going to the movies. Like, I love going to the movies still, and that's still around. So I think the traditional media, like you say, I think it's going to stick around. But to be fair, also to look at it, though, um, Going to the movies did change dramatically. Like you, it's still in a flux. See, yeah, you don't see the the same type of movies that you saw pre television and stuff like that because they have to get you to come to the theater. So I think the, yeah. like one that forces quality to be way way greater. Yeah, and you have the whole three D um, thing and the whole like experience of it, like the right. book, picking your the, seat and meals and drinks, things yeah. like that. I think they're just transforming the experience, the comfy seats that you could recline right, in. Right, right, totally. Like, they're really making an experience to go to the movies, which, to be fair, is how movies started. Like, movies started <laughs> having, like, mm-hmm. being an experience because, because it was like, why would you go to a movie? You can go to a vaudeville show and see all these fantastic, wonderful things. So it started right. as an experience, then vaudeville went away, and then it didn't have to be an experience anymore. It could just be you're going to see a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, then and and you would see the news before your movie, and you'd see a cartoon before your movie, and then television came out, so you didn't need those other things, and it was just seeing a movie, and now it's becoming an experience again because right. well, you need to get people back in those seats, so right, make it a real experience again. It's all in flux and it's all changing. I think it's all going to be. I, I think. I think in terms of media, it's all just going to be better. Like it's going to get better. And like, will we lose some things? Sure. That that's always when new art forms come out and new mediums come out, you're bound to lose things. But I think as a whole, it's only going to get better. Yeah, I do too. That's a good. That's a good note to end on. I think. Um, I really appreciate that we can disagree on this one. That's. I know that you mentioned it in a previous episode that we need to eventually disagree on some of these. And um, yeah, this was yeah. it. This episode was it, four, man. Everybody. Episode four. All right. So keep tell it, tell us about the the next one. It's um, are you are you reading Hibiyu right now? I am. Or so why, why, will that why be the next? Tell one? us a little bit about it because because okay. uh, the next one is your pick because okay. I had yep. two picks in a row. This will be your. Then I get pick, two we'll picks. Go back to. We'll go back to one every other. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your, your pick for the next episode? All right. The next pick is Habibi by Craig Thompson. Um, you can find this on Amazon. Again, we're, we're sponsored by Amazon. You'll have the links down in the show notes below on YouTube. Um, if you buy it through our link, then we get a little bit of, a, little bit of that um, kickback. After you, it costs you nothing extra. Just if you buy it through our Amazon portal, if you go through our link, then we get a little bit of money to support this podcast if you dig it. And so where can they where can they find the link? So the link is at our YouTube channel, which is uh, not so super podcast. If you just type it in the search bar, you can find us there. Uh, find this episode in particular for the Habibi link or the Habibi episode. It might be um, uploaded at this point, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, with that being said, so Habibi's our next one. I love this one so much obviously it's why it's one of my picks uh craig thompson is a beautiful illustrator um gorgeous line work black and white uh he uses a brush pen to finalize this it, this work and is, what else what else is he known for he's he's probably mostly known for blankets which i think is a new york times bestseller uh it's interesting that you say that because i would say he's most known from known for scott pilgrim uh that's not Versus craig thompson that's, uh, no, that's... Oh, no, you're right, that's Brian O'Malley. Brian O'Malley, yep, uh, that's you're Brian right, O'Malley, right. which I'm the sure we'll get time, at some point. <laughs> the entire time I was thinking that there was the same, that it was Craig Thompson, but you're right. Yeah, Craig Thompson has done blankets. previous... Previous... Blankets, and then previous to Blankets, he's done Goodbye Chunky Rice, and his most okay. recent one is a children's book, I think, called Space Dumplings, but what, what we'll be reviewing is about a 700-page novel, graphic novel, so... Go ahead and get started on this one. Pick it up uh, from your library or Amazon. Um, yeah, and th- this is like a out-of-place-out-of-time story in the Middle East. Um, this has a lot of very, very serious adult themes, um, uh, which we'll get into when we review it. So check great. it out. All right, great. So then uh, you heard it uh, from Brennan. Uh, Habibi will be our next read, and then... Uh, following that, I'll uh, I'll pick something else for that. So, uh, where where can they find us, Brennan? What, how can they contact us? How can they love us? How can they how can they listen up? If you want to give us all the likes on Instagram, you can either go to at NSS Podcast, uh, or you can follow me at Brennan Draws B R E N O N Draws. I'll be posting when we uh, release iTunes 
updates or when we release uh, the videos that kind of has the, it goes through the, um, the different images and the pages like uh, that we go through and we review on there uh, page by page. And you can check us, check us out on there and find our, all of our Amazon links in the show notes. Uh, also, right, mattcurleypresents.com. Um, I and think that's it's, just for now because yeah. I had that website. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably get a, a, a real website for just this podcast at some point. Yeah, but yeah. right now it's mattcurleypresents.com. You can download the MP3 version of this. Right. You could um, – or you could just listen to it on the media player on the website. Um, it's a very basic website that I put together and uh, it will be changing and be made more professional and better. So. And also iTunes. Check us out. We love us. If you just give us a listen on iTunes, give us a good rating. Um, if you'd like, if you like us, and uh, yeah, check us. Check, give us five stars, whatever you think we deserve. But five stars, clearly. But, but five stars deserve. is what we deserve. Yeah. So, so uh, all right, great. So <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. Uh, so thank you for joining us this week uh, and, and join us again on the next episode. Uh, for Not So Super Podcast, I've been your host, Matt Curley, joined by your other host, Brennan Cohen. And, uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, have a good night. Peace. Peace.